fantasy football fans, this is Jeff Power, senior writer for Real-Time Fantasy Sports, and welcome to another edition of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to have on Doug Orth with me. Doug is a fantasy writer for FF Today and also USA Today. He does a great job over there at FF Today, and he also contributes to USA Today, and we're going to help you get ready for week three, and we're also going to talk about the start to the season and get Doug's thoughts on several fantasy topics. Before I get to that interview with Doug, though, I did want to tell you that here at Real-Time Fantasy Sports, we do do daily games. So go to rtsports.com and click on the daily link at the top of the page. You can get in a daily football or baseball league here at rtsports.com. Just go to rtsports.com, click on the daily link, and play one of the multiple games that we have on the site. And now, here's my interview with Doug Orth of FF Today and USA Today. I'm joined now by Doug Orth of FF Today. He's a staff writer at FF Today. He also contributes to USA Today Fantasy Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Orth, D-O-U-G-O-R-T-H. He's a good follow on Twitter, so I highly recommend you doing that. Doug has been with me, been on with me in the past on the podcast. He joins me again this week. Doug, thanks so much for joining me once again. It's an honor to be invited again. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Doug. And before I get to the week ahead, how about uh, you just tell me a little bit what's going on over there at FF Today. I know you guys do a lot of great stuff over there, a lot of great content you're producing. Just tell me a little bit about what you guys are working on. Yeah, I can I can speak mostly uh, only for myself. I mean, we we have the regular in, regular in season columns like Inside the Matchup, and then uh, I know Mike Davis does a uh, kind of a, not a Q and A, but uh, he or he interacts with with the readers on wide ranging questions. And then uh, as for myself, I have a column called the uh, regular season column called the All Out Blitz. And actually, it just hit today. Uh, the the thing I focused in on this week was uh, running back production, not per, so much production, running back. Um, uh, well, just call it running back statistics, but using next gen stats from NFL's next gen stats. So I, some of that is going to be some of the things we'll talk about today. I'm sure. Yeah, that's great stuff. Again, it's fftoday.com. You can check out all Doug's stuff over there as well as a lot of great writers in the fantasy industry. So, Doug, I wanted to talk about a little bit about the start of the season and then get in this week. So the start of the season, I guess the big news of this week is Josh Gordon. He, he's been traded to New England, and I just wanted to get your expectations on him. What do you think he's going to do fantasy-wise? I know there's a ton of question marks, but how do you think fantasy owners should approach him going forward. I know I'm trying to think of a, uh, and I can't, I'm trying to think of a comparable situation. Uh, people will immediately point to Randy Moss from you know, almost 10 years ago, actually about 11 years ago now, uh, when he went to New England. And I don't see this, I don't see it being a similar situation. I see their talent being on a similar level. I see their games kind of being on a relatable level. But the thing that I don't think – I think people talk about it, but they don't really absorb it or appreciate it is New England's offensive system is probably the most difficult system to pick up. Um, so what you, expecting a receiver to come in, if I know it's not the middle of the season, but mid-season, in, in season, to try to pick up anything more than – 
your your basic route tree, and then uh, I mean asking him to make adjustment I mean, adjustments on option routes, you know those, those type of things in that system. Um, very very difficult to ask, and I, I'm not going to sit here and speak to whether or not Gordon's intelligent enough to pick it up and uh, start thriving in a month. I don't I don't know him so I I don't know him that well so I can't tell you about his ability to pick up things quickly or not. But I think what you're looking at is somebody who will be able to open up the field because teams do will respect him regardless of whether or not he knows the system. Um, so I think you're going to get the occasional splash play from him, but to expect 685 and, you know, six catches, 85 yards and one touchdown on a every other week basis, I think that's probably asking too much. So I want to talk about a player that was a consensus top five pick in most drafts off to a terrible start, uh, for where he was drafted, David Johnson. So is this a guy that you think can turn it around or is this what we should really expect more of the same going forward? I think if you're going to be patient enough, he's going to eventually turn it around. Now I I referenced the, the article that I, that hit today using uh, next gen stats and some of the stuff I wanted to mention here, I think helps, uh, advance or support that argument. So, so far, he's he's seen eight defenders in the box 18.2% of the time, and that's tied for 10th U.S. among qualified backs. Qualified backs, for the purposes of what we're doing here, are backs with at least 15 carries this year. Um, so it's not that teams aren't even going out, the defense aren't even going out of their way to stop him. The problem is 20 of his 22 rush attempts have been charted in between the tackles. So there's been no creativity in terms of where he's running. It's run up the middle, or, or run between the guards, I should say. Um, his efficiency, which uh, the way Next Gen Stats defines it, is total distance the player travel on rushing plays as a ball carrier uh, per per uh, rushing yards gained. His efficiency and then the time that takes him to go to the line of scrimmage are basically on par to where they were during his breakout season in 2016. So it's almost like his game hasn't changed, but the offensive line, the play of the offensive line, uh, the creativity of the offense, that's changed, and that's really obviously uh, hurt him in a big in a big way. Uh, in the next month, let's call it the next month, he faces Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, Minnesota, and Denver. Now, just off the top of our heads, that's, I would say that's at least three pro, prohibitive matchups uh, that he's probably going to struggle unless they give him extreme volume or start using him out in space as a receiver more, that type of stuff. So I think he's a smart buy low, but I'm not sure he's hit rock bottom yet. So you may be able to buy lower. <laughs> if, um, but I, I would, if you're, if you're in the market of wanting to buy low on him, I would give it at least until the end of next week. You may see against Chicago. I think you are going to see more volume. I don't think you're going to see much more in terms of results. Uh, I might start. I might start putting out some feelers. I don't have him in any league because leagues because uh, I didn't get to pick that high in any of my leagues. But um, I would. I'm going to probably start putting out feelers after the Chicago, the Chicago game here this, this week. 
So I have a feeling you probably touched on this next guy I wanted to ask you about in that column you've talked about with the running backs as well, Royce Freeman. I, I've seen he's faced a lot of eight-man fronts as well compared to very few for Phil Lindsay, who's outplayed him at this point. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole Denver running back situation. How do you think this is going to play out? I mean, should Royce Freeman owners really be kind of freaking out right now with uh, the play of Phil Lindsay? I'm glad you referenced the uh, the eight men in the box because, yeah, that's something I did uh, I've mentioned here. Uh, Lindsay's facing eight men in the box 24% of the time. Freeman is facing a stack box 56.5% of the time. So more than double the stack boxes, which I'm going to attribute. Anybody who's been following my stuff for years knows that I have uh, uh, unhealthy dis- disdain for Bill Musgrave, the offense coordinator there in Denver. And I, d- I don't think he's overly creative. And if you look at what he he's only he's only sending Lindsey as good as Lindsey is as as a, as I know he is as a receiver he's only been sent out on eight and a half routes per game and and Freeman's only been sent out on seven and a half routes per game um, so t- teams know that when either one of those running backs are in there's a good pretty good chance it's going to be a running play. That, that needs to change. Um, as far as what I see going forward, I'm not going to credit all of Lindsay's success to the lack of stack boxes. That's not fair to him. He's a, he's uh, I, the NFL missed on him in terms of um, a prospect. I'm not saying he should have been a first round or first, or first day two day one or day two pick, but they they missed on him anyway. Um, I think as far as going looking full season, uh, I think it's going to end up being a 50, roughly like a 50-35-15 split with, with Freeman being on top. So Freeman, Freeman at about 50% of the carries, 35% for Lindsey. And then it wouldn't surprise me if Booker gets, just gets phased out. But at, I'm going to be optimistic with him and say he gets about uh, his you know two or three per, carries per game. And uh, that's so I'll go 50-35-15 with the split there. And then uh, so I think Freeman's still the guy to own. And uh, it, it seems obvious, at least right now, that he's st- still a goal line back. So if you think that Denver's going to have some uh, be in the red zone a fair amount going forward, then I think he's still somebody that you want as a low-end RB2 flex play type of thing. So kind of on the flip side of that, Doug, I want to talk about a guy that's probably carrying fantasy teams right now, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's off to a ridiculous pace right now through six touchdown passes last week. Do you think this guy is for real? Is he a legit elite fantasy quarterback? I'm not going to put up him up there with Aaron Rodgers, but I'll say something I said before the season. And I said uh, there's probably about a group of eight, eight or ten quarterbacks after Rodgers that you can basically throw, into, throw their names into a hat, take one out pick one out one by one and probably come up with a decent order in terms of how they would finish. Uh, I think he was in that group then, and I still think he is now. Um, I think the, the question most of us had with him was his inexperience in work, and whether or not somebody that's coming from an air raid system in college could uh, transition to an Andy Reid offense. I don't think any of us had questions about his arm talent, his ability to run ball or to, to run with the ball, and we knew he had a, a top-five sporting cast. So... I think, as it turns out, I think to what has surprised us the most so far is Reed, his, the coach, Coach Andy Reed has basically uh, met him in the middle in terms of off- offensive structure, and uh, the supporting cast is 
if Sammy, uh, Sammy Watkins can even be a middling complimentary receiver at this point, I think you're going to see. Uh, that, that's a, like I said, that's a top five supporting cast. Mahomes should be a top five quarterback. I'm not willing to go elite with him yet. Uh, I think you have to do something for at least half a season before we're going to go to elite status. But uh, um, so if if you can find somebody who thinks that he's just the next step down from Aaron Rodgers, and all you need to do is throw in a, another piece to get to Aaron Rodgers, I would go. I certainly would go that route. So, uh, Doug, I wanted to talk about a player who was probably hot on a lot of waiver wires this week, tight end Will Disley. He's third tight end scoring right now. He had touchdowns each of the first two games, a 100-yard game in week one. Do you think this guy is for real somebody we should take? We should be taking seriously? I know going into the uh, season, most thought he was more of a blocking tight end. He's obviously making plays in the passing game. Is this a guy that uh, is going to be for real? Okay, so I'm gonna, I'll answer that question in just a second here. So, well, um, I'm sure you heard this summer I took part in the uh, the Kings Classic up there in at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did two drafts, and so we're playing out two seasons, one's an auction league, one's a snake league. Uh, snake league. Well, justly, all of us, uh, you know the current situation at tight end, right? Yeah. Um, I I picked I picked up Disley kind of just because I just wanted to see if it was um, just see if he could continue it for another week. Not because I particularly needed a tight end in that league. At the other league, he hasn't been picked up yet. So you got twelve people that are somewhat esteemed in this in this industry, and none of us believe that none of us have picked up Disley yet outside of just. A, We'll, we'll see what happens, type of thing. I, I just I thought that was I thought that was uh, I mean, somewhat anecdotal to what I'm about to say here. Uh, he's averaging 25, 24.5 yards per catch, and he's seen five targets in each game. Uh, two of his three catches for the touchdown, and all but six of his 42 yards last week came on that garbage time drive. I think basically what we're seeing with him right now is that he's filling in this short area of void left behind, but he's at Doug Baldwin. Now, I know what I just said, 24.5 yards per catch and short area of void don't mesh, but I'd be interested to see how many of those yards are after the catch because uh, he's, uh, he's, he's catching most of his balls. Most of his targets are in the short area. And so basically what I'm saying is I think he may be a serviceable starter while Doug Baldwin's out, but I think once Doug Baldwin's coming back, or once once he comes back, then you're looking at somebody who's going to be very hit or miss after that. That's a good take on Disley. I, I agree with those sentiments as well as I was looking at those targets through the first through first two weeks, and I also saw him late in the game. He did next to nothing before the end of that last drive on Monday night. So I have my same concerns about him. So, Doug, we know fantasy is a game of overreactions, fantasy football. Fantasy owners can take advantage of this, though. So along those lines, we're just two weeks in. Is there anyone you're selling high on at this point? Somebody who's really off to a great start, you think, hey, I can I can take advantage of another owner here and, you know, sell high on this guy and get some good good uh, players in return? I think if you want um, – I, I, I have four players listed here. Uh, we talk, we already talked about Lindsay, so I won't I won't go chapter and verse with him. Um, I, I think I don't think I mentioned this before actually, but I 
I see that Denver backfield playing out kind of like a poor man's version of the Chargers backfield, where where uh, Lindsey is kind of the poor man's version of Austin Eckler. Um, if that's okay with you in the flex, I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be. I, I uh, then go ahead and hold Lindsey. Uh, if you're if you can get something more in line with where he's ranked uh, fantasy point wise right now then I would say take advantage of that trade. Somebody, uh, uh, another guy, Will Fuller. Uh, until he can put, put together a full season, um, I don't want him as anything more than WR3. We know his, we know his splits. I think he scored every game that Deshaun Watson and him have played together. I think he scored at least one touchdown, if I remember right. Um, if you believe in, if you believe in regression, if you believe in, uh, any number of other things, that's probably going to stop at some point, either because he can't stay healthy or, or Watson can't stay healthy. Uh, if you get somebody, I remember Wolf Lord going about the fifth round of some of my drafts this year. If you have somebody that's willing to put that kind of grade on him, and uh, so basically a WR2, um, you know, mid-WR2, I don't think he's there in terms of his, his ability to stay healthy and that type of thing. So, um if you can somebody, if you can get somebody like a Marvin Jones for him, or I'd, I'd trust Kenny Galladay more than I would Will Fuller, as far as that's concerned. Um, somebody who I actually just sold yesterday was Adrian Peterson. Um, in in that draft, I, in those drafts I referenced the uh, the uh, Kings Classic, I traded Adrian Peterson to uh, an owner for I, I really need tight end, so I went for George Kittle. Uh, I don't see Peterson. Peterson's going to be helped by the fact that by his bye week is next week. But we're looking as great as he is. He's a 33-year-old back. That's game game script dependent. Um, I don't know that we're going to be able to use him much after midseason. And then one other guy I put here just because I I had Melvin Gordon ranked number four on my, my big board before the season. So it's not I'm not overly surprised by uh, the fact that he's number two right now. The reason I put him on this list is if you think if you can get somebody that looks at the landscape after two weeks and says, you know what, Melvin Gordon's uh, right there. He's in the the tier right below Todd Gurley now. Can I can I can I do Todd Gurley for Melvin Gordon and WR three? If you got somebody who believes that, then go get go get yourself Todd Gurley. Otherwise, I would sit pat with Melvin Gordon. We already referenced David Johnson, a guy who's an elite talent but off to a slow start. Is there anybody else like that that you're looking at that you think, hey, he can get it going, he can turn it around? I know you said you might be looking at Johnson a little bit, but anybody else that is off to a slow start that you're targeting in your leagues right now? Okay, so I I, I put down two running backs here. You're not going to get me to back off Alex Collins. (laughs) like like everyone else, I, I swear I talk to, I don't get the usage of Buck Allen. He's averaging 2.5 yards per carry, 5.1 yards per catch. Um, I think this is another situation in which co- coaches are trying to save their top backs for the second half of the season, much like Baltimore did last year. As you remember, uh, after some initial, uh, I don't know if you want to call it committee, but after some initial sharing there in the first half of last season, I think Collins averaged, averaged something like over 19 touches per game in the second half. Um, I think that's kind of where we're going this year. So I think what 
I think Ellen's going to be kind of a nuisance for Collins within about the next month before Collins ends up taking the uh, taking the mantle and basically uh, owning the backfield over the last two two plus months. Um, the other the other player I have here is uh, Jordan Howard. I, I keep referencing the next gen stats. He's one of the three qualified backs, so one of the three backs with at least 15 carries who has yet, yet to see a stacked box, which I'm sorry, it blows my mind considering what he's been going up against uh, in his first two years. I, I believe, if, I, if memory serves, he, he faced a stacked box in his first last year over 40% of the time, so he hasn't seen eight men in the he hasn't seen eight men in the box yet after seeing eight men in the box over 40% of the time last year. Um, while I don't think he's an elite talent per se, he's, he's got his, his vision, patience, and track record are just pretty much too good to ignore. Uh, they got Arizona this week. I can see a lot of volume for him there. Uh, not that he's been a disappointment because he's actually been contributing in the, in the passing game, which is obviously a surprise for him. But, uh, yeah, I think th- this is this would be a great week for him to get 20-plus carries and uh, get, the, get in the end zone for the first time. And, and uh, so if you can get – if you can uh, – I, I wouldn't. I, let's say I wouldn't hesitate. I'm not backing off my uh, my stance of uh, late second round value on my big board where I had him before the season. So uh, we talked a lot about what's going on in the fantasy world right now. I want to talk about this week though. I, before I let you go, the week three coming up. Can you just give me a couple of your top plays for this week, guys? You think are going to have huge weeks? I'm not going to like it, but I'm willing to take a ride on the Ryan Fitzpatrick train one more week, even though I wouldn't like starting him over any of my current starting quarterbacks. I, I think you're looking to – that there should be another two or three touchdown week he, he, just based on the opponent uh, in Pittsburgh. So uh, two other players, I'm looking for bounce-back weeks. I know these are guys that are, are available on the waiver wire, but I like Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle to have big weeks this week after having down weeks last week. I like Fitzpatrick, too, this week. I think he'll do well. So on the flip side of that, anybody you're avoiding this week, guys, with maybe matchups you don't like or just some situations that you're just avoiding for a week three? Yeah, so I, I didn't put too many down here. I, I got uh, Philip Rivers against the Rams. I know Philip Rivers is one of the top five quarterback right now in most leagues. Uh, I know I've been starting him in the, in the leagues I have him. Um, not gonna not gonna ask too much out of him from the, against the Rams. I'm thinking he may he may do he may go up, get up there in yards if the Rams get out to a big lead. But I'm not see, I don't see much more than maybe you know, a lot of yards, maybe 325 yards and a touchdown, maybe a couple interceptions type of thing. I, I don't see it being a game changing week or a, a week winning week winning week for him. And then Adrian Peterson's the other guy going against Green Bay. Uh, don't, I don't see, I don't see the game script uh, working out well for him. So, you mentioned uh, George Kittle. I guess some could consider him maybe a sleeper, but uh, maybe somebody a little more unknown than that. Anybody else you got for a sleeper for this week, week three? Maybe a player or two that you think could emerge and be a little bit of a surprise to fantasy owners. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll uh, I'll give you three, and then I'll uh, if you want to ask me about them, then I'll uh, I'll go down that road. Traquan Smith. Uh, and James Washington are two guys I'm trying to pick up about everywhere I can, and then Josh Adams from Philadelphia in case in case uh, JHI is ruled out. 
I'm sorry, and then uh, Ben Watson is somebody else I'm seeing on waiver wires that I, I'm willing to pick up and start, too. Yeah, so how about that Phil Valky situation running back? How do you think that plays out if Ajayi and both Sproles can't play? So you're thinking Adams will get some work maybe as a third down back? Is that what you're looking at, or how do you think well, that plays I, out? Well, I think, I think uh, Clement, Clement's going to keep his uh, passing down role. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say that anybody has a true role in that offense. I mean, I mean, you, you say that, okay, J.H.I. is the goal line back, but he's, is he? Is Darren Spoles the true third down back? Well, I mean, what, then how, how much playing time is Clement getting in that role? But I think what you're seeing, I think Clement will, Clement, sorry, will, uh, uh, he'll, he'll be the guy, he'll be the one to own if both of those, both the Ajay and, and Sproles are ruled, ruled out. But, uh, yeah, I could see, I could just see Josh Adams coming in and essentially being a poor man's Ajay. And, um, uh, Maybe get, getting the goal line work if there is any. Uh, maybe get a handful of carries. I, I, I would be more of a stash than it would be anything else. But the reason I would recommend picking him up is we're talking about a back injury. I don't know how serious his back injury is, but um, back injuries just don't usually heal up in a week. So unless they're really minor, so it would be it'd be a case of where if a J if the J is out more than more than one week for whatever reason. Adams is really the only big back they have, so he would he could conceivably come into early down work if the J the Jai is uh, out for more than one week. So great stuff, Doug. That's Doug Orth, staff writer with FF Today. You can read all the stuff at FFToday.com. He's also a contributor on USA Today Fantasy Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Orth O R T H spells last name. Great stuff, Doug. Appreciate you coming on the podcast with me once again. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that was my interview with Doug Orth of FF Today and USA Today. And I want to thank Doug for doing a great job on the podcast with me for week three of the fantasy season. This has been Jeff Power for Real Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone.